Welcome to LaGrave Avenue CRC's sermon podcast. You are listening to Hospitality and Evangelism by Reverend Peter Yonker. This morning's Bible reading is from Matthew chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16, which is found on page 1505 in your pew Bibles. I'm going to read uh, the passage now, and, and as I read, you'll notice that there's sort of, uh, Jesus is talking, it's part of the Sermon on the Mount, and this, the passage is divided into two bits. Jesus makes two different points in the words that I'm about to read. Listen, Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth, but if that salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. Okay, so that's the first point in this passage. Um, That's a point that talks about our identity and our integrity as a congregation, as the body of Christ. Okay, that's talking about that we have health in us, which is a very important thing for evangelism and a very important thing for hospitality. If we don't have the love of God, truth of God, the grace of God in our midst, if we are not a healthy body, what do we have to offer to the people out there? If the salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? Okay? So that's a really important point. That will be part of our hospitality series in one of the later sermons. But today I want to focus more on the second half. And now you'll notice that Jesus shifts. He talks about getting the salt out of the salt shaker and out into the world, or because he changes the metaphor, taking the light that's in us and letting it shine out there. Not just letting us warm ourselves by our own light, but letting it shine out in the world. Let's finish the reading. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl, Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. So this is one of the passages in Scripture, I think, where we clearly hear the call to evangelism, to let the light of Jesus shine out in the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven before others. Those others aren't our fellow church members. Those others are those people out there. So the good news of the gospel is that through the Holy Spirit, God has put his light in you, and the call is to let it shine. That is a call that we hear throughout Scripture, the call to, be, to do evangelism and to shine God's light is something that's both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you don't think of evangelism, but if you look carefully at how Israel is pictured, the nation of Israel is meant to be a beacon before all the other nations of the world, to be like a town on a hill that everyone else can see. They'll see their righteousness and be attracted to their God. So God says to Abraham when he calls him, through you and your descendants, all nations of the world shall be blessed. Your descendants, Israel, shall be a blessing to the whole world. They'll shine. And in Isaiah, multiple times, I think of Isaiah 11, you have the image of Israel as a banner waving on a hilltop. 
and the nations will stream to this banner because of its light. In the New Testament, the, 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 the call to be evangelist becomes more explicit. The banner isn't just sort of held up on a hill. The banner goes out into the world, right? Jesus says, make disciples of all nations. You shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The call to be evangelists, the call to shine, is in both Testaments. It's clear. We know about it. We're just not all that sure how to do it. Because when we look around us, we see all kinds of people who try to shine their light and make an absolute mess. We go to New York City for a vacation, and we make the obligatory journey to Times Square to see it. We get in the middle of Times Square, and we're surrounded by all those amazing billboards, blinking lights, fantastic. All around us, there's people from every nation, tribe, and language, and they're taking pictures. Everyone's got their cell phone out. It's a spectacular place, but if you've been there, you'll know what I mean. It also feels like a little bit of a lost place, right? There's a sense of sort of wow and a sense of, wow, there's something wrong here when you're in the middle of Times Square. At least that's what I sense. It feels like a place that needs God light. And sure enough, in the middle of Times Square, there's someone who's trying to, to shine that light. There's a guy holding a billboard, and at the bottom of the billboard, there's a, there's a fire, and over top of the fire is the word repent. And he's shouting at the crowd, repent of your misdeeds. This is an evil generation. This generation needs Jesus. Give your life to Jesus. Turn from your ways while you still can, he shouts. And the people around are mostly ignoring him. Some are laughing at him. And you find yourself, even though he's talking about your Jesus, right? Even though he's talking about your Savior, you find yourself wishing he'd be quiet. Because even though he's trying to shine his light, trying to shine Jesus' light, you feel like he's doing more harm than good. And you think to yourself, is this what Jesus meant when he said, let your light shine before others? Or maybe someone tries to give you an Evangicube. What's an Evangicube? That's a story from the book that we're giving you to read, uh, The Art of Neighboring. And one of the authors of that book, Jay Pathak, talks about a time when he had just moved into his new neighborhood. And he and his wife, Danielle, were walking around that neighborhood with their daughter, their young daughter, meeting the neighbors. And they met a neighbor who lived about four doors down who they hadn't talked to yet. And the neighbor came up to them and they made small talk for a very short time, and then the neighbor said, may I give your daughter a present? Which was a little weird already. And he gave her this, this thing that looked like a Rubik's Cube. And she took the cube, and, and you looked at it, and it wasn't a Rubik's Cube. It was some sort of cube that, when you opened it in some way, shared the gospel of Jesus. And Jay said, I'm a pastor, and explained that, that his daughter had heard the story of Jesus many times, so the man thanked him and went on his way. And Jay knew that the man's intentions would be good, but he said, the whole situation felt just awkward and weird. Here's a guy who knows nothing about me, doesn't know anything about my life, doesn't know anything about my family, and he wants to give my daughter a gift. His intentions were good, but is this really what Jesus meant when he said, let your light shine before others? In his recent book, David Brooks talks about 
his journey towards Christianity and his journey towards the light of Jesus. And he talks about people who helped him in that journey and he talks about people who did not help him in that journey. And the people who helped him on that journey were people who really listened to him when he was in trouble, who were good friends to him, and who said that they would pray for him. He said, those people were light to me. And then there were some people who did not help. And now let me quote what he said. Some Christians crudely sought to win me over as a sort of win for their team. And they were a destructive force. I think most of us have a sense of where Brooks is coming from, right? We've had Mormons at our door. We've had Jehovah's Witnesses at our door, and we don't like it. It makes us uncomfortable. And all of this good-hearted attempt to share the gospel that goes wrong, when we look around and we see all this kind of stuff, it makes us nervous about evangelism. And so even though we hear the call as clearly as can be in Scripture, many of us just don't do it that much. So what do we do about this situation? First, let's go back to the passage and notice what Jesus actually says. He says, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good deeds, your kala ergon, your good deeds, and glorify your Father in heaven. Good deeds. Right? That's, a, that's a broader category than just words, right? That allows, um, certainly, sometimes a good word is definitely a good deed, but good deeds is broader than just words, and it means that there are other ways to let your light shine besides giving someone a gospel presentation. And here's something else to think about. When we shine our light in the world, it makes sense to aim at the shadows. When you shine your light in the world, it makes sense to identify where the shadows are and to aim at those dark places, to be strategic about your light and aim at the darkness. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus brought the gospel of the kingdom, if you read through the gospels, he did not approach every single person in exactly the same way. So for example, when he went to preach to a synagogue, and he was for a regular congregation full of normal people who were sort of neutral with respect to him, and who already knew the scriptures and who knew the covenants, he was sort of straightforward with the message. The kingdom of heaven is near. Repent and believe the good news of the gospel. A clear presentation of the gospel for people who are sitting and ready to listen. When Jesus dealt with people he knew should know better, like the teachers of the law and the Pharisees who deliberately twisted the words of the Old Testament, the words of the covenant, then he could bring the fire and brimstone. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you're a bunch of hypocrites. Bang, bang, bang. He would meet a broken person, a confused person, like, say, Zacchaeus. He would say, hey, Zacchaeus, I see you up there in that tree. How about you and me have dinner? Jesus identified the darkness that was in front of him and aimed his light strategically at that darkness. It's the same strategy Paul had when he said in 1 Corinthians 9, to the weak, I became weak to win the weak. 
I have become all things to all people to win some. I've become all things to all people. That doesn't mean that Paul's a wet noodle. That doesn't mean that Paul just tells people what he wants to hear. What it means is that Paul recognizes the darkness in the person, in the community in front of him, and he aims at that darkness. So, in our world, as we try to shine our light, what's the nature of our darkness? We've been talking about that quite a bit. We've, we've identified loneliness, and I think the one that most applies today, suspicion and mistrust. We live in a society where levels of suspicion and mistrust of strangers and others is as high as it ever has been, and there's good reason for that. We've been lied to so many times. It seems like every week on the news there's a story of someone we thought was this kind of person and who turned out to be that kind of person. Every day we get robocalls and phony emails that try to separate us from our money and our stuff and our identity. And after a while, this goes on and on, and, and, and we're just deeply suspicious. So it's no wonder that when we come up to people we barely know and, and say, let me tell you the good news about Jesus, they do this, or they roll their eyes. May I suggest to you that in a world where this is our darkness, that one of the best ways we can shine the light of Jesus and be that city on the hill is hospitality. A kind of gracious welcome that listens to people, that makes room for them, that sticks with them, that shows that you really care about them and that you will care about them over time. May I suggest to you that this is the best way or one of the best ways to shine the light of Jesus in our world today. That's essentially the whole thesis of that Art of Neighboring book that we gave to you. One of the central ideas of that book, one of the things they say, which I like, is they say when, when you're trying to reach people, it should be the great commandment before the great commission. The great commandment should come before the Great Commission in our world. The Great Commission is go into all the world and make disciples of all nations. The Great Commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. In our kind of world, with our kind of darkness, showing people that we really genuinely love them preside, provides the context for us to prevent the gospel of Jesus. Here's a quote. If we live out the Great Commandment, love each other, an environment is created where the Great Commission can be effectively obeyed. And that's for our darkness. Now, I recognize that in other societies and in other generations, things may have been different. I remember when I was in seminary, I talked to a Kenyan friend. This was 30 years ago, granted, but I talked to my Kenyan friend, and he said in the part of Kenya where he lived, in a village, you could go up and knock on the door of a neighbor that you didn't know, and you'd say to them, excuse me, I would like to share with you the good news of Jesus Christ. And that neighbor would say, sure, come on in, sit down, let me get you something. And you could just present the gospel to him. That's how it worked in Kenya. That's not how it would work here. In our society, providing a context of hospitality, showing that we care, creating occasions where conversation can go from that surface level of news, weather, and sports to that deeper level of hopes and dreams and fears.
I promise you, if you can create times like that, the conversation will move towards spiritual things. The conversation will move towards Jesus. And you will be able to let your light shine. This is not simply some sort of strategy. This is biblical. Right after Pentecost, the Holy Spirit brings the church together. What happens to the church right after Pentecost and the people are converted? They make these tiny little communities. And in Acts 2, it says all the communities were together. They broke bread, they broke bread together. They joyfully shared. They shared everything with one another. They met in the temples. They met in people's homes. And the community of Jerusalem saw them and were impressed. And then listen to what happened. Acts 2, 27. They enjoyed the favor of all the people. Everyone around them was impressed. And the Lord added it to their number daily. They let their light shine before others, and others saw their good news and came in. Same pattern continues in church history. In the fourth century, there was an emperor called Julian. Julian the Apostate is what Christians called him. And he was called that because he wanted to return the Roman Empire to traditional worship of Roman gods. And he worked very hard at that, and so he was actively anti-Christian. And the thing that frustrated him most was Christian hospitality. Christian hospitality put fear in the heart of the emperor and his legions because it was hospitality that was drawing so many people to Christianity. And what he did is he actually wrote to pagans to the ones who worship the Roman gods and said, you guys have got to become more hospitable so that we can beat these Christians. Listen to some of the things he wrote. Why do we not observe, he's writing to pagans here, that it is those Christians' benevolence to strangers, their care for the graves of the dead, and the holiness of their lives that has done the most to increase their number? It is disgraceful that when those impious Galileans, Christians, Support not only their own poor, but ours as well. All men see that our people lack aid from us. This hospitality is killing us. There it is again. Great commandment for great commission. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give glory to your Father in heaven. One more story. When I started out in ministry, my life intersected with a young man who was a good friend of another family at Woodlawn where I served. And they wanted me to talk to this young man because this young man was not a Christian and they were hoping that I would have some winsome, clever words that would bring him to Jesus. So I said, yes, of course. And I had lunch with the guy and we had a wonderful lunch. But truthfully, when I brought up the, the, the subject of faith, I got a stone wall. And what he said to me was, look, I'm not interested, man. I had a lot of friends who used to be addicted to drugs, and now they're addicted to Jesus, and I don't want to be an addict. I didn't have a good answer for that. But part of our lunch, I found out that he liked softball. And our slow pitch team really needed a couple more players. So I said, hey, why don't you join our team? You seem like a good guy. So he did, and he fit right in. We had a blast together. He played with us. He got invited out afterwards for beverages, which is slow-pitch hospitality. Many of you know about this hospitality. 
me included. And he, he did that, you know, week after week, and it went on for one year and two years, and, and pretty soon he started showing up in church. And not long after that, he started showing up in my office to ask some questions, and not long after that, he was standing up in front of everyone and making profession of faith. There it is again. Great commandment before great commission. Ordinary guys playing slow pitch, letting their light shine before others so that others may see their good deeds and give glory to their Father in heaven. The light is in you, people. You are his children. Let your light shine. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that, uh, that, that we have your light, Lord. Even on days when we feel overwhelmed, even on days where we feel like we have barely anything to give to others, Lord, your, your light is in us and you can do through us more than we ask or imagine. Lord, give us the courage and the wisdom with our neighbors, with the people we know, the people at our office, to be good friends and people who show them the light of your face. In Christ's name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Grave Avenue CRC's Sermon Podcast.